Charles. Oh, we thank you for the peace. Received a letter from Brother Tenney asking me to go from India to Thailand to travel with Brother Cole for about three weeks. Brother Cole, I believe, had come from the States and was going to be traveling there. And, of course, I was thrilled with that opportunity to visit Thailand and especially be with Brother Cole. I had many experiences during that three weeks with Brother Cole. I learned many, many things from this precious man. I'm going to mention just two things that happened here tonight before I present Brother Cole to you. First of all, we were on our way towards the north, and Brother Chai Yung, who was the national leader of the work there, working with Brother Cole, was driving another vehicle, and uh, he fell to sleep. He had been worried about many things. They had a, a uh, mongoloid child that was a real worry to them and the burden of the work. He fell to sleep while he was driving, and uh, a slight accident took place. The windshield of that vehicle was broken. And this all had shaken up Brother Chai Yung a lot. And when we arrived at the place where we were to stay in a pastor's house, they had allowed us to stay there and put some mattresses on the floor and some hung some curtains for a little partition between the beds. Well, Brother Chai Yung and I were staying quite close to each other, sleeping on the floor there. And Brother and Sister Cole and their daughter Brenda were in a, another room, but just in the same area. Well, Brother Chai Yung was feeling very discouraged and uh, really needed a touch from the Lord. And I was laying there resting after the long, long journey, and then I heard Brother and Sister Cole praying in their room. And they hadn't been praying too long when I heard Brother Cole call Chai Yung. And Chai Yung got up and went into the room, and uh, prayer continued. And after a while, Brother Chai Yung came out of the room. I saw he was weeping. And later, Chai Yung told me how that he had lain down on the mattress. He was so discouraged. And he said, Oh God, speak to me through Brother Cole. Within five minutes, Brother Cole, who was in that bedroom, in prayer, called Chai Yung to come into his room. And he prayed for Chai Yung. I think that's just one indication how God has used Brother Billy Cole. I was there traveling with Brother Cole, and he told me that Brother Tenney was going to be appointing a regional supervisor for Asia and he told me that there was a possibility that I might be considered and he told me if you are asked to do this Brother Sism, I think you should make yourself available and I was afraid I was frightened and I said oh Brother Cole I could never never do that I'm not qualified and I would be separated more from my family I said, oh, I could never do that, and I was frightened by even the thought of it. And uh, he mentioned this to me two or three times. We were traveling along in the evening time, and suddenly he pulled over to the side, and he stopped the jeep, and he put his hands on my head, 
and he prophesied over me and I was just thinking tonight about that and one of the areas of that prophecy that meant so much to me he said God speaking through him said I will keep my hand upon your family and I thought about that tonight here brother Cole is this happened about 15 years ago here's my son appointed as a missionary my daughter is living for the Lord and God has truly kept his hand upon my family well I could tell you many more things but I'm just going to say to you missionaries that here is a man that I've known for many years I've had the privilege of associating with him traveling with him and I have seen God speak through Billy Cole and work through him in unusual ways and I just have a real feeling of assurance in my heart that if we will open our hearts as he ministers to us God is going to do something wonderful for us in this school of missions this is a man of God let us open our hearts and our lives and let God do what he longs to do we're thrilled to have you with us brother. hallelujah hallelujah thank you brother Sism and Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Would you lift your hands with me and let's worship the Lord together. Father, we worship you tonight. And we adore you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be thy matchless holy name. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Blessed be your holy name, Almighty God. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Well, it is a great joy to be in the wonderful presence of the Lord. And it is such a distinct honor to be able to come to this school of missions and to feel the presence of Almighty God it is here. There is an atmosphere of great anticipation. I believe that that God will will bless our gathering together and it will result in thousands of souls being born into the kingdom of God. I believe that. Amen. Uh, the reason I kind of chuckled when Brother Sism started to tell a couple of experiences that happened on that trip all of them wasn't quite so spiritual <laughs> and I thought maybe he was going to tell one of them <laughs> For years he teased me and would always say, Remember the power lines. We were driving along and uh, talking, and uh, Sister Cole kept telling me, Billy, you're going the wrong way. And I would assure her, because I wanted to continue to talk, <laughs> I would assure her we're going in the right way. We're just following these power lines. 
Well, we were following the power lines in the wrong way. <laughs> and so uh, it wasn't very long until a, one of the rare signs came up. And of course, all in the Thai language, and Shirley began to, to read to me that we were indeed going the opposite direction of, of the way that we should go. And then on that trip, on that trip, we became very tired. Our intentions was to visit three churches and to hold a week's meeting in each place. But we got a telegram from Brother Sism telling us of a situation that had developed. So we visited 24 churches in 21 days, 4,000 miles on extremely rough roads. And, uh, of course, thank God for started to say thank God for the war <laughs> in Vietnam. We got some good roads in Thailand as a result of it. We have some good roads there now, but in those days the roads were very rough uh, and we were getting a little tired and so on the last days I stayed awake driving. I would get some ice and put it on. It was so terribly hot and I had a little cap that I wore and I would put ice under that cap and I got to sing an opera to Brother Sism. <laughs> he never forgot that. <laughs> so everything that happened on that trip was not spiritual. <laughs> well, it's a joy, a blessing to be with such distinguished people. When I received uh, the invitation from Brother Rodenbush to come to this meeting, I just absolutely was overwhelmed. It uh, it took my breath, and uh, I really wanted to decline coming because in no way, in no way, do I feel qualified or equal uh, to be here. But. Uh, I have the utmost confidence in our missionary board and the executive committee who just absolutely insisted, they insisted that it was a will of God. So I, if I dropped a watermelon, you, you blame them. <laughs> but they insisted that it was uh, the will of God for me to be here. Uh, this morning when I prepared to leave, my, it was very early in the morning, about 5 a.m. My wife sensed that I was very nervous, and uh, she arose and began to, to pray for me. And I felt of great peace and comfort come to me that the Lord would help me, and that the Lord would anoint me to speak to you. I am aware that uh, in all of my ministry, more than 30 years now, I've preached to a lot of places and a lot of uh, conferences and what have you, but I have the, uh, I am aware that I am speaking to one of the most distinguished groups of people that I've ever spoke to in my, in my life. However, I feel like I'm among friends. I feel like I'm among friends and uh, just so happy to be with you and, uh, if I allow my love and my respect 
for you to intimidate me, then I will not be able to be used of God to help you. So I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to speak freely as the Lord speaks to me. Is that all right? <laughs> that God may use me to, to help you and to bless you. Praise God. I do appreciate this missionary board. I, I, really, uh, I really don't know just how they accomplish the things that they do. It's just absolutely astounding and amazing. Uh, they must be momentous problems when you're dealing with the entire world and with personalities and financial difficulties and, and what have you. I never cease to be amazed at the tremendous way in which God has blessed the foreign missionary work of the United Pentecostal Church. It is absolutely astounding for the amount of money that we have raised, though it's a great deal of money, it's really not very much money compared to the world and what some areas are doing. And the number of missionaries that we have, it just never ceases to amaze me the tremendous ingathering of souls that we have. I feel like God has blessed us. And I thank the Lord for it. Don't you? I'm sure that you do. Amen. Good to see my good friends from the general board here. I've worked with both of them in their districts. And uh, Brother McIntyre was very, very modest. It's absolutely astounding what God has done in the state of Maryland. There's churches over there with three and four and five hundred people in them. Shouting like to do in Louisiana, brother. Praise God. And believe me, that is a real genuine miracle in the hard area. But it just goes to prove that God can raise up his people anywhere. If someone is willing to go, someone is willing to pay the price. Praise God. God bless you in Jesus' name. Well, I have a message for you from the Word of the Lord. And I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, and I'd like to begin reading with verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look thou not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, 
And at the last, it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mask. They have stricken me, shalt they say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your very special and precious people that has gathered into this lovely tabernacle tonight. We thank you for our leadership and for every missionary, for the way that you are blessing them and helping them. We thank you for those that have just recently been appointed to the mission field. May your blessings be upon them. May your anointing be upon them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you will touch my mind and cause my mind to be alert and loose my tongue that I may speak to your people in the in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen would you lift your hands with me again and let's praise the Lord together I worship you Lord Jesus and I adore you almighty God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus name God bless you and you may be seated from this text I want to speak to you concerning what I feel to be a very vital and important subject I considered naming and giving it a title drunken and insensitive I considered that I considered also entitling it the importance of having an alert spiritual nervous system but I have chosen to entitle this message precious pain it was a message the Lord give me uh, some time ago while I was in Bogalusa, Louisiana. I was there for their uh, winter camp meeting. And I remember I stayed awake the entire night. And the Lord spoke to my heart even up until time to go to the Bible study at about 9 o'clock in the morning. I was giving a seminar on prayer as I have oft times done and I was in the process of answering the question the question of why why do we pray why do we pray when God knows everything he knows the very intense 
of our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. So what in the world is the purpose of praying? Why do we pray? And I had dealt with that subject for several days and give one Bible study on what I call the power of the spoken word. That when the word is spoken, somehow or another the, the, the power of God begins to work and begin to flow from the throne of God from that very minute forward when it is spoken. In the book of Matthew it says, Say to the mountain, Speak to the mountain. There were so many times when we asked God to do things when in fact we could speak what we need into existence by just simply speaking it. I remember one time I was going to speak on the text, say to the mountain, and the mountain shall be cast and removed. And I was uh, living on a very high mountain in West Virginia. You either live on a mountain or in a valley when you're in West Virginia, or halfway down. <laughs> and uh, we were having so much snow, so very much snow, and uh, it would seem that the snow was coming every Sunday night, just about an hour or two before our Sunday evening services. And it was absolutely impossible for our people to come to church with a lot of new snow in that, in that area. I lived at the church at the time. We had an apartment. It was a new church, Home Missions Church. And we had built ourselves an apartment inside the new building. And I decided just to go out and see if indeed when the phone started ringing, Brother Cole, I can't get there, I can't get there. And then the phone would ring again with the same message. I decided to go out and drive down that mountain to be sure that the saints were telling me the truth. If I'm going to be the shepherd, you know, I have to stay in tune, tune with them. And on the way down that mountain, we was, uh, the church was right at an exit of the interstate, I-70, and I drove down that mountain on I-70, and there were six tractor-trailer trucks turned upside down in the meridian and I decided that the, the, the situation was legitimate <laughs> that they were telling me the truth they couldn't get there <laughs> praise God the, dis, uh, the uh, youth president of Virginia was with me and uh, we got turned around and it was snowing so hard it was snowing so hard that we could hardly see 10 feet in front of us. And my father taught me how to drive in the snow. There was cars everywhere parked on the side of the road and I, I literally passed at least 100 cars down that mountain and back up the mountain. And my father taught me how to keep a car moving in the snow. And I kept that car moving up that mountain and just about a half a mile from the exit of where uh, our church was at, I thought, you know, 
If I was going to preach the truth tonight, I was going to preach on that text. Speak to the mountain. And I decided, now if I was going to tell the saints the truth, I can talk to this snow. Praise, praise God. And uh, I was mad at the snow. <laughs> praise the Lord. And so I simply said, Snow, I command you to stop in Jesus' name. And God being my witness, and the youth president of Virginia being my witness, before we got that half a mile, there was not a flake in the sky. You can speak things into existence. You can do it. If you do it with authority and power and faith, praise God. You can't say stop if you'd like to. <laughs> praise the Lord. But I was teaching along those lines, and then the Lord gave me this message that I want to bring to you tonight. I feel that one of the most important reasons that God has put in his program that we should pray because in so doing we become more like him. We become more Christ-like and that is vital to our own salvation. It's important to the salvation of others that I be powerful. It's important to the salvation of others that I exercise the gifts of the Spirit. It's important to others that I have within me the anointing and the ability to lay my hands upon someone and pray the prayer of faith and for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But it is absolutely essential if I'm going to be saved myself that I be like Jesus there is a difference between being powerful and being spiritual it's not enough to be powerful somehow I've got to find my place with God that I might save my own soul while saving others I have got to save myself can you say amen would you lift your hands with me and let's worship the Lord together. I worship you, Lord Jesus. And I adore you, Almighty God. Blessed be thy matchless holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Jesus has been our beautiful example of compassion. The scripture records many, many places where Jesus ministered to the people and even to the multitudes, teaching and preaching in villages and raising the dead, ministering to the people. One time he said, they are like sheep without a shepherd. On another occasion, Jesus' heart was moved for Israel and he went to the Mount of Olives and as he looked over the city of Jerusalem, he cried out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
How oft would I have gathered you as a hen doth gather her brood. There was occasions where he stopped the funeral processions and raised the dead and returned them unto their own people. Jesus was filled with compassion. And if there's anyone in the world that has to have those qualities, it is a missionary that goes to a foreign country. Can you say amen? There has to be a God-given anointing in those areas that we might be able to minister. We must learn somehow how to feel like Christ feels. Like the Lord's Spirit, let His Spirit moving in us. Thank God. I read for you in the book of the Acts of the Apostles a statement that the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul made one time speaking of our hearts. For the heart of this people is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their hearts. Now, I don't think you heard my message at the general conference. I, I was the last speaker right before your program. And I want you to notice I didn't infringe on your time. Did you appreciate that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, but I don't think you heard my message. You were quite busy in some other area preparing for your service. I made mention that day of the heart. I believe when the Bible speaks of the heart that it's not, uh, it does not mean this human uh, pump that we have in our chest that is pumping the blood to our body, but it speaks of the emotional part of our brain, that part with which we feel, when we feel anger, when we feel joy, when we feel sorrow, that is the heart. When the Bible speaks of the heart, amen, and the apostle speaks that our heart can get to a place where there is no sound understanding. In our bodies there is a, a nervous system, and in that nervous system it has two functions. It can bring pleasure to us, and it can also bring pain. The thing that I'd like to call to your attention is the fact that it is exactly the same nervous system. Not two different systems, but it is one single system in our body. I've experienced it before in getting into a shower, and you turn on the shower, and suddenly the water is so extremely hot, and oh, you just grab the shower head and everything else you can do to save yourself because it is burning you. You're feeling tremendous pain. But I've also noticed that you're not there very long until you keep tempering the water and keep turning down the water. And finally, it's nothing but the hot water, and the water is just as hot as it ever was. But what once signaled you that you were burning your skin, now is giving you a great sense of comfort. And we have a spiritual system within us that operates in identically the same way. For once it caused pain, we can become extremely comfortable and feel very warm 
and very comforted for what was once designed, what our body was designed, our spiritual being was designed to bring conviction to us and pain and sharpness. Now that same thoughts and same heart brings to us comfort and warmth. When I read in the book of Proverbs, it is speaking of the natural drunkenness and of course that is no problem here I'm absolutely sure but it can be there is a spiritual application Solomon of course is speaking about the natural but let me let me speak about the spiritual it is so vital that we do not allow drunkenness come to us amen in the spirit can you say amen, amen. The scripture says here that it's like a man that climbs up on the mast of a ship and simply lays down on the mast, drunken. In his own mind and in his own heart, he is not in any danger whatsoever. If you would ask him, sir, are you sure you're all right? Is everything okay? Aren't you afraid that you're uh, in danger a little bit? He would scorn you. He would laugh at you because he would have no sense of, uh, of danger whatsoever. Not realizing that he could fall from that mass and crush every bone in his body on the deck of that ship. Solomon went on to say, beaten, beaten. And he said, I knew it not. Sick and uh, bruised. And he said in his own heart, I was not sick. How did this happen? How did this happen? I remember when I was just uh, a young boy, and uh, we loved to get out and play football in the neighborhood. And there was a, a fellow that was just a real nice guy, uh, father of two or three of the boys. And he was just really a swell fella. And on the weekends, he would always get drunk. He was a good provider. He had a good job. And somehow or another, his wife helped him to keep that under control to a certain point. He'd always make it to work on Monday morning. But on Saturday, he would be so drunk. And he would want to come out and play football with us fellas. Now, we wasn't very old. But I don't care who you are. If you get enough 12 or 13 or 14 years old a pounding on you they can do a lot of damage and it made no difference who had the ball it made no difference which team had the ball in which direction we was going he would always carry the ball and it wouldn't make any difference uh, it wouldn't make any difference which way he run or what team you were on everybody tackled him <laughs> and it was something else we'd have to pull him out and he would drag himself up and stagger around and it wouldn't seem to be hurting him at all he felt no pain whatsoever absolutely none but the next morning he was wondering why can't I get out of bed why can't I get up why am I black and blue what has happened and that's exactly what drunkenness does even in the spirit how many times have we had to sit and listen to some good saint of God or even some minister 
or someone that was distinguished in the work of the Lord scream out. I've had them to sit in my office, tears streaming down their face, and scream out, How in the name of God did this happen? How did it happen? Oh, the heartbreak, the distress that you feel, it comes as a result of spiritual drunkenness. And we become insensitive to the touch of God. Can you say amen? amen. Would you lift your hands with me and let's worship the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus spoke these beautiful words in the 21st chapter of Luke, beginning with verse 34. Jesus said, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts, everybody say your hearts, your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and with drunkenness and the cares of this life so that that day come upon you unaware that it slips up on you situations that can claw into our spirituality literally tearing us to pieces even while we're preaching the gospel even while we're laying hands upon people and they're getting the Holy Ghost even while we're laying hands upon people and they're receiving miraculous healings at that very moment it can be clawing and tearing at us spiritually speaking and destroying our own spiritual life and it can happen unaware it can happen unaware it always amazes me that those that we come concerned for and we can see from a distance and far from them uh, standing off to the side that there is a spiritual problem and every time you ask them how you doing oh I'm great everything's fine and they really mean it they really mean it they have become totally insensitive so that they cannot understand their own spiritual situation while saving others for as a snare shall it come upon all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth now here is the answer here is the key to keep it from happening watch ye therefore and pray hallelujah watch ye therefore and pray every time I take the time to pray I'm rejuvenating my spiritual nervous system that I might be able to feel the touch of God that I may know what God wants in my life oh hallelujah I know that you love him can you say amen I know that you love the Lord but there is a tremendous tendency within us the fact that God has called you to such a high calling and such an honorable calling and has even blessed you with success and even though there has been even thousands of souls 
accredited to your ministry coming into the kingdom of God. It does not keep you from being human. It does not keep you from suffering from human tendencies. And there is a human tendency to quiet every single thing that we feel that is uncomfortable. We're living in a society here in America and you're aware of it that there are 80% of every adult North American 80% of every adult North American is taking tranquilizers at least once a week and many of them daily and many of them many times a day we have become a part of a society that's used to numbing themselves when there is an uncomfortable feeling when there is something wrong in our bodies and our bodies is trying to alert us that there is something wrong and we're uncomfortable we have chosen to deaden those feelings and to ignore them and it can happen in our spiritual life as well amen amen it can happen the spiritual call to prayer is a spirit of depression Daniel when he said he would pray and fast he said he felt alone and there was a depression of the spirit amen only those that are sensitive can sense the difference between the call to prayer and depression and if we're not very cautious we'll start dealing with depression we'll start trying to cope with depression when in fact it's God trying to call us to prayer and calling us to seek to him and to talk to him that he might cause us to be what he wants us to be can you say amen hallelujah 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 I don't want to live on spiritual tranquilizers I don't want to live on spiritual aspirins I want you rather just to face the music God help me God I'm miserable I am miserable but God help me get a hold of this situation I'm not going to drug myself I'm not going to quiet this I'm going to get a hold of you I'm going to find out what this is I'm not going to settle for this situation I'm going to have an answer from God I'm going to hear from you hallelujah 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 let me take this illustration even a little farther let me give you some thoughts from my experiences in Thailand with leprosy one of the very first people that that sister Cole and I met in Thailand was sister Ellie Hansen it uh, it just overwhelms me every time I hear her name to think that she is no longer with us in this life I uh, in February hopefully we get to go to Thailand again for their conference we try to go each year for their 
conference and for their 14 district conferences and uh, and I will go they have buried sister Ellie near the church in uh, Prangadai she was such a unique person so unique and so greatly used of the Lord when I first met her Sister Cole and I met her in the Christian Missionary Alliance receiving home after we had first arrived in Thailand. She was a member of the WEC, World Evangelical Crusade, who is a very, very, very staunch anti-Pentecostal, anti-speaking in tongues group. They were vehemently against tongues. But later, as you will see in her book, she had spoken in tongues at least once in her childhood or in her teenage years and somehow or another that experience drew her to us I'm sure and some four years later she spoke in tongues again and become a great Pentecostal missionary can you say praise the Lord praise. greatly used of God I remember when I first met her however her hair was cut almost identical to mine and uh, and she told Sister Cole, she said, are you going to wear that long hair over here in Thailand? It's hot. She said, even God thinks you're stupid. <laughs> Anyhow, they worked up quite a friendship. And Sister Cole... So much patience with her but she would insult my wife all day long but surely just smile at her and say that's all right and she'd go buy her some Danish cheese or something <laughs> and so it turned out to be in the perfect will of God praise the Lord and when she prayed through why she became a very very important instrument in the hands of the Lord to see folks born in the kingdom of God but in those days she was not a preacher she was a nurse she was a registered nurse and she was working with Dr. Bucher who was the chairman of all leprosy uh, clinics in the nation of Thailand that was under missions and uh, so uh, she was working she had a clinic in the central part of Thailand where there was a lot of poverty uh, due to the Vietnam War Thailand has prospered considerably financially and economically because the war was not in Thailand but next to Thailand and that area where she now lived uh, has prospered considerably but in those days it was just an ox cart road back to her village it was very very primitive and the people were extremely poor she was called a doctor even though she was only a registered nurse she was the only doctor in the whole county and people would turn to her for physical and medical help and she taught me many many things about leprosy it is indeed a very horrible disease and the Bible uses it as a type of sin and of us getting out of the will of God isn't that true 
Amen. It is a very horrible situation. And it is one of the most misunderstood things by we here at home. I would imagine that many of you missionaries, if you work in primitive areas, are well acquainted with it. But here in the United States, people have a total misconception of leprosy and, and what it does. They are aware of all of the ulcerations and the horrible appearance, the loss of toes and fingers, the sagging of the face and, and all of these things that are associated with leprosy. And it is commonly believed that leprosy causes that ulceration. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. There is one single thing that leprosy does, and that is destroy the nervous system. They have no pain. A leper cannot feel pain. And so if he steps on a piece of glass and literally wounds his foot severely, nearly cutting his foot half in two, or maybe even cutting a toe off, unless he happens to look and see the blood, he is not aware of that. He is not aware that he has stepped on glass. He is not aware that he has cut his foot because he has no pain. His nervous system is dead. When a leper is operated on, no anesthetic. It is not necessary because they cannot feel. They live, they live a painless hell on earth literally destroying their bodies because they do not know what they're doing. Amen. Just the simple task of opening a lock that would be such a simple thing for us. If the lock is jammed, they will tear their fingers and never know it unless they see the blood. The simple task of sweeping a floor with a broom or to play a guitar, anything like that. They cannot do it because they destroy their fingers, not knowing that they are destroying their fingers. And of course, once there is a wound, infection sets in, and then the infection destroys the member of your body, beginning with that. Just to give you an illustration, if this was a, was a cooking stove, a range that we would cook food on, if you would blind a leper, and he was genuinely a leper and he had severe leprosy in his hands and his fingers were partially gone. If you would bring a leper to a hot stove that was cherry red hot electric stove and lay his hands upon that, that uh, heat, he would have no different situation since, uh, uh, no, uh, there would be no difference in the sensation that he would feel and if he was laying his hands on this pulpit, if he was blinded, he could not tell the difference because he cannot feel. Amen. I tell you today that it is possible. It is possible. You hear me? It is possible to save souls. It is possible to be dynamic in the work of God. It is possible to be dynamic in the power of God. It is possible to exercise the gifts of the Spirit and actually be dead 
with leprosy in her own spiritual life. The workings of the gifts, the workings of the gifts, the powerful ministries is not proof of spirituality. It is proof that at one time you please God and God anointed you with a gift and that gift is without repentance. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't just snatch them away from you every time we displease him or become insensitive to what God wants to do for us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in the very first chapter and he said, you come behind in no gift. You have them all. You have everlast one of them. Tongues, interpretation, prophecies, the gift of miracles, gifts of healing, wisdom and knowledge and understanding and all the rest. He said, you come behind in no gift. And just two chapters later, he says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual because you are colonel. What does it mean, Brother Cole? It means the more successful you are in the work of God, the more sensitive you're going to have to be to your own spiritual situation. There is a human tendency and some of my dearest friends have fallen into this trap of being greatly used of God. If I should think about some of my friends right now that has fallen to this trap, I would be breaking down here and sobbing like a baby because we come to the place where we allow the fruits of our gifts to be a confirmation that we are pleasing God. Someone preaches and it stings us a little bit. We feel a little tug of the Holy Ghost and we say, oh, 19 got the Holy Ghost last night. And we go on. And uh, then there is that tug again that our behavior is displeasing God. Oh, 13 got the Holy Ghost tonight. We had a massive offering. There was a move of the Holy Ghost like you've never seen before. And so, I'm okay. Everything's all right. God is blessing me. Oh, my friend, my friend, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The gifts, the fruits of our gifts is not a confirmation that we please God. I don't care if you had 1,000 souls receive the Holy Ghost last year. That is not a confirmation that you are pleasing God. That is a confirmation that sometime, someplace, God bestowed a massive, anointing, powerful gift upon you. You want me to go on? Sometimes, as spiritual leaders, as spiritual leaders, 
we watch people who become insensitive. I've watched people in the general conference and brother there has to be about 99 people get up there before anybody touches them. They'll sit and fiddle, talk, play, act like they're bored to death, sit on the sidelines. unmoved by anything I'm telling you you're getting in a dangerous place when there's only two or three people in the whole church that can touch you you're getting mighty dangerous situation you hear me we can get so big and we can get so important and so anointed and so successful that nobody can touch us that nobody can move us nobody can touch our spirit and we sat through it and we feel, God, this is boring. God, I wish I could get out of here. Amen. You are in spiritual danger. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like we need to pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 There are times when I feel so miserable. There are times, and it could be when your church or your mission is doing its very best. You can't find anything wrong other than just little things that's always wrong. And there's always going to be people that's not going to live for God. There's always going to be problems when you're in church work. And everything may be going very well. But yet you yourself, I know it's true in my own life. There's times when I feel so miserable. I wished I could shake it off. I wished I could rid myself. God, what is this? What is this? Amen. And I have learned over the years that the problem is not in my ministry. The problem is not in the fact that I can minister to people. It's the, the problem is I've allowed my own spiritual life to digress and to decay. Amen. We hate the word pain. And I know that there are situations where pain is, is out of, of control. When we think about the starvation in Europe, or rather in Ethiopia, and little kids' bellies swelling, and, and uh, mamas leaving, having three or four kids with them, trying to get somewhere where there's food, and, and they have to make a decision which kid she's going to let die in the desert and which one she's going to try to save because she can only feed one of them and we talk about that kind of pain and it is pain out of control 
And we somehow look at those kind of things and wonder uh, if God didn't make some kind of a colossal mistake when he created pain. But many times that kind of pain where it's out of control is due to the evilness of men exerting evilness on men. Much of the starvation that's in Ethiopia, for instance, is not from famine. It's because of that wicked government that has isolated their people and starving them to death. Amen. God creates something to be used properly and correctly. And men in their evilness distort it. And it does become distorted and out of control. God created a tree. It is beautiful. God created it that we might look at its beauty. God created it that we might sit under its shade. God created it that we might cut it into firewood and warm our cold bodies in the winter. God created the tree that we might cut it into lumber and build a beautiful home. God made it that we could refine the lumber and build beautiful furniture. It was man that took a limb of that tree and turned it into a club to kill his own brother. God did not do that. And so it is with a system of pain that God has put into our bodies that we not suffer, that we protect ourselves, that we are alerted. And there is that spiritual system of pain within us that we must not ignore. Can you say amen? amen. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? And I'd like to begin reading with verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because what? The blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling, would you say that with me? Who being past feeling have given themselves over to what? lasciviousness over to sin when you see one of your precious brothers one of your precious sisters that falls into sin this is exactly what has happened their heart has been darkened they have lost the sensitivity they cannot feel the touch of God and be alerted. Amen. God has placed into his body the ministry and different ministries. Each of us are very different and that's to our advantage. Each of us having the own part that we play in the kingdom of God. Each one of a different sensitivity. 
each one of a different ministry to minister to us, to help us, making up the whole body of Christ. I am told, I am told that the cornea of your eye is so sensitive that the touch of one-fifth of one gram your eye can feel that touch. It takes 28 grams approximately to be one ounce and one-fifth of one gram touch of the eye and the eye knows that it has been touched. The forearm, however, takes 33 grams touch to know that it's been touched. The bottom of your foot, your heel, takes 250 grams. The tips of your finger takes 3 grams. And it's an interesting thing that it takes 3 grams to touch a normal finger to know that it has been touched. And it takes 300 grams to produce pain by the same nervous system at the same spot. And God has placed in his church men and women that are made up different, of different sensitivity. I read for you in verse 16 of this same chapter. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure. Everybody say the measure. The measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. This all in the perfect will of God that our ministries are so different and we are not the same. Different sensitivities that we have that we might minister to each other. God wants us to be so sensitive that he can touch us. The touch of three grams. And we know that we have been touched. It is sad when we get so insensitive that we do not know that we've been touched until he presses so hard that there has to be pain. I want to be sensitive to God. I want him to be able to touch me and to know that I have been touched. I want him to be able to speak softly to me and know that I have been touched by his power. You see, you and I are in a very unique situation. We are confined to a world that cannot satisfy us. I don't know how you feel. I suppose if there are enough, eventually gets enough like me, the Lord will come. I pray every day and I seek the Lord every day. I live in a beautiful home. When I came home from the mission field, I had absolutely nothing. But an old broken down suitcase and $50 in my pocket. And my wife's health 
was totally destroyed, totally collapsed. God has wonderfully touched her and strengthened her and restored her health through prayer and discipline. She's a very disciplined woman. And God has blessed us financially. I wear good clothes. I have a good car. I have a beautiful home. I have fine furniture. And I'm thankful for all of that. But there's absolutely nothing in this world that's so important to me that keeps me from saying this one sentence every time I pray. Jesus, I wish you would come today. I say it every day. Every day the sun rises. Jesus, I want you to come today. I'm going to work like you're going to come many years from now. I want you to come, Lord Jesus. There is something in me that this world cannot satisfy. Houses, land. There is something. You see, God created us to commune with Him. And when we don't commune with Him, there is something missing. God created us so much like Himself. He created us very Godlike. So much so that we have free will and choice. God created us that we have within us the capacity to be the temple of God. He made us not only our souls, but our bodies, that we would never die. But because of the sin of Adam, we took upon us a degeneration. And over the centuries, our bodies have degenerated and degenerated until we live only a few years. The body, the body that I live in is extremely fragile, has extreme tendencies to sin, loves sin, loves this world. But within me is a soul that has not changed from the day it was created. The scripture says he put eternity in us. And so when I'm walking through this life, I am trying to comfort my flesh and my soul is living in another world, another dimension. My soul is crying out to talk to its creator. Many times my body frustrates my soul and doesn't allow it. I have found many times when I think I need a vacation. I'm not against vacations. It's all all right. But there are times when I think I need a vacation.
There are times when I feel that I am so tired that really the truth is my soul is begging to talk to its God and I have not allowed it to. Begging to talk to its God. We're just a little bit like the beautiful seashells on the shore. You have seen them. Beautiful, large shells. It makes no difference how far you take them away from the ocean. There is that roar of the ocean that is there. And it makes no difference how far our bodies may cause us to drift from the perfect will of God. There is that constant roar of my soul to my God. I travel a great deal in preaching camp meetings, conferences, over the country. I go somewhere every week. Every week of the year I go somewhere. Last year I preached 250 times across this nation. But I have become aware it's not how much did I talk about him that's going to save my soul. I'm talking about him tonight. But that's not going to save me. I could preach this way every night and lose my own soul. I have found that out. I have preached revivals. Just the other day, preached one night somewhere and 27 people received the Holy Ghost. But I went home tired. I went home weary. I went home crying. I, I cry a lot. And the reason is because I can get so caught up in doing. 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 And that's not going to save me. I don't care if I pray a thousand people through the Holy Ghost this year. It's not going to save me. There's only one thing that's going to save me. And that's if I talk to Him. I have got to talk to Him. And I've got to let Him talk to me.
and let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be thy holy name, Jesus. Jesus, speak to our hearts today.
tell you we've heard from the Lord tonight. We need to just keep talking to the Lord. Why don't we just stand uh, together, talk to the Lord some more. Let's keep talking to Him. Amen. Amen. That, that communion, that fellowship. Oh, let's talk to Him. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. We thank You.